Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning with a verse, and I lost it. Okay, beginning with verse 30. The Lord your God who goes before you. Everybody say, who goes before you. Will himself fight on your behalf. Just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you. Just as a man carries his son in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. But for all this. For all of this, for all this God did, you did not trust the Lord your God. Who goes where? Before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp in fire by night and cloud by day to show you the way in which you should go. Turn to your neighbor and say, has God been in B- here? I'm sorry. See, I messed up that time. Y'all messing me up. Turn to your neighbor and say, has God been here? Has God been here? Somebody said, what? <laughs> say what? Again, turn to your neighbor and say, has God been here? I'm playing off of the words that God would say, I will go before you. Okay, y'all ready to get this? Here it is. This is a narrative. Everybody say narrative. It is not only a narrative, it is a reflective narrative, which means that everything that Moses is saying right now, he's talking about what already happened. Okay? When we read verse 6 where uh, Moses says, Moses rather, he says, we have been too long at this mount. How many of you have heard that? You've heard sermons on it. He's talking about what God said 38 years ago. To the children of Israel. What is this text? It's a narrative. What you have are all of the children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren of this large body of people called the Israelites who have finally, after 40 years, gotten to the place where they're going into the promised land, and Moses is giving a reflective narrative to people, many of which were not there during what Moses is talking about. They weren't there when the Red Sea opened. They weren't there when the bitter waters of Marah were turned sweet. They weren't there. Why? What happened to those people? Those people died in the wilderness. Why did they die in the wilderness? In one particular case, thousands died because the people began to grumble when they sent out 12 spies and 10 spies came back talking about, I don't know, I don't know if we can take it. I, I see giants over there. God got angry. He was going to wipe all of the children of Israel out. Moses said, hold up, God, if you do this, then what are other nations going to say? They're going to say you brought them this far and you, you dropped them off and they won't see your power and they will not understand who you are. God said, all right, Moses. All right, Moses, you got it. I'm not going to wipe everybody out. But this group right here, 
this group right here, right here, none of them are going into the promised land. There was another instance where the people got tired of the food that God was giving them. Let me help you understand what happened. What happened was the wilderness, they got a lot of free stuff. They ate without planting a single seed. As a matter of fact, they ate so good, they would wake up in, on the morning and breakfast would be on the grass. That breakfast was called manna. So they did not have to do anything for what they ate. And when they wanted uh, to eat meat, they cried to the Lord and the Lord said, okay, you want you some chicken? Not chicken, but <laughs> you want to eat some meat? And he allowed quail to fall down. So they didn't have to hunt. They didn't have to grow things. They had it easy. And sometimes when you have it too easy, you don't appreciate what you have. So one day they said to Moses, we tired of this bread. This special bread that God sent from heaven. This bread that we couldn't even identify. So we called it, what is it? And God got angry. Because they were complaining about nothing. They were complaining. There was no struggle. And they complained. There was no, no turmoil. And they complained. They had it like they needed it. And they complained. God gave it to them without them doing a thing. And they complained. That not only sounds like the children of Israel, but that sounds like some of our children. Some of us are in the wilderness. And we, God has given it to us. He's letting us have it. Sounds like the history of this church. You do know this building was a gift. No note. No paying for nothing. Just insurance and other things. But sometimes the wilderness is where God lets you have it for free. And here they were in the wilderness, got upset, started complaining to Secura. I mean, you should have been there. They were rolling their neck, talking about, Moses, we don't like this light bread. I mean, come on. Is that the only thing on the menu? Every day, same thing. Every day, day after day. Quail, come on. They got to be something other than quail around here. You ain't got no chicken, Moses. <laughs> and you know what God did? In his anger, in their uh, lack of appreciation, he sent serpents in among them. Deadly serpents, and it killed thousands of them. So what you had is you had this group of people where some of them died without seeing the new place. So now that's what Moses is doing. He's talking to this group, this group whose parents died. Some of them, their grandparents died. And you know what he's doing here? He's going through history. Because I've learned that when people do not understand history, they will not appreciate present. If they don't understand that somebody died for you to get here. They don't understand that voting is not just a right, it's a privilege. People died so that we can go to the polls and select who we want to vote for. But when people don't know history, they cannot appreciate the present. And they will abuse the future. 
So here they were. And Moses says, I need to remind you. I need to give you a history lesson of how we got to this place. So he goes over everything that happens. He talks about everything that happened and every way their parents and grandparents were because this is second and third generation Israelites. And they're listening because they're about to enjoy something, many of them, that they had nothing to compare to. You see, their grandparents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves in Egypt. So for them to go to the promised land was a big deal because they knew what it felt like not to have freedom. But some of them that were born in the wilderness, the wilderness was not a strange place. It was just where they grew up. So Moses goes over, let me tell you what happened. And he says in this narrative, in the text that we read, he says, the Lord, the first thing he says in verse 30, the Lord, your God, who goes before you. He's talking about what he told them, what he told them back then, what he told them. So what he's talking about is everything that happened from Exodus chapter 15 to the end of Numbers. He says, the Lord your God, I told them, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf. Look at how he words that. He says, everywhere you go, God will go first. Now, you got to catch this. He says it all throughout this text. The Lord your God who goes before you. The Lord your God who goes before you. That means that God went ahead and made their path straight. It means that there was nothing in their present that wasn't passed to God. That means everywhere they ended up and it was there right now, God had already been there. As long as they were following God, wherever they were was where God been. Are you understanding this? God says, I will go before you. Before they got to their enemies, God was there. God was there before they got to their need, before they got to their lack, before they got to not having food, before they got to the bitter waters of Marah, before they didn't have anything to drink, before they needed that quail to fall from heaven. God was ahead of them. And I need you to understand this, not just in light of them, but in light of you and your personal life. You need to get this. Before you got sick, God was at that place in your life waiting on you to get there. That means God was already there he already shaped the story so by the time you and I celebrate we're celebrating something that God was already waiting for us at you need to get this because this is theology this is the omnipresence of God the fact that when something seems too hard to handle and we're at us block in the road we're at a obstruction we hit a wall when we think all is lost we need to remember that the omnipotence and omnipresence of God says there's no way you can go following me that I hadn't been God says I went before you before your kid got in trouble I was in this moment before you woke up that day I went before you. So what does that mean? That means that God already sets up the providence 
before we get that. Now, everybody say providence. Providence. That word providence has a prefix. The prefix is pro. Pro means progress, to go ahead, to be ahead of. Words like progress, process, process, progress. You hear it? Pro, pro, that's a prefix. That means ahead. It means that God makes a way ahead of time. You might not see it as a big, big deal. In other words, God doesn't wait till you get to that moment to make a way. He doesn't wait till you get to where you lost your job to make a way. He doesn't get to where you get those papers saying that we're laying off and we're laying off about 1,800 people and you don't have seniority, so you got to go. He doesn't wait to the moment where the doctor finds the spot or the doctor finds the growth or the doctor finds the abnormality. He doesn't wait there. As a matter of fact, we get bent out of shape over places God says, I've been there already. If you're following me, I've been there. If you're following me, I have been there. So everything you get in this moment, everything I bless you with in this moment, if it's healing you got in this moment, the healing was there waiting on you because God went before you. You got to believe this. And if you don't believe it, you're going to do like the children of Israel did. God says, I will be before you. How did he do it? This is how God did it. Everybody pay attention. When they left Egypt, he gave them a visible representation of his bit, of his presence. What was the visible representation of his presence? The visible representation of his presence was a pillar of cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire by night. You understand this? At no point did he take that away until they got to the promised land. Are you understanding this? In other words, God was saying, I'm here. I'm ahead of you. I'm here. I'm ahead of you. You hungry? Look at me. I'm ahead of you. I knew you'd be hungry. I made manna, baked it in heaven, sent it to earth so that you can have something to eat when you got hungry before you knew you would be hungry. I'm ahead of you. I'm here. Look at me. I'm moving. Follow me. Look, I'm providing for you. Quail, you need to eat? Look, don't eat it all in one sitting. Boom. Well, why? Because I'm ahead of you. There's nothing you can tell me about what you need that I don't know before you need it. I'm ahead of you. And he left that cloud and he left that fire there. But in verse 22 of this text, pay attention. The Bible says in verse 22, everybody look at it. Then all of you approach me and said, Moses, right? Let us do what? Pay attention to the text. Let us do what? Send men where? Wait a minute. God says, I am before you. I will go before you. I'll meet your enemies before you meet them. I'll meet your haters long before you know their name. I'm ahead of you. Stay behind me. If anything's going to hurt you, it's got to go through me first because I'm going to go before you. But in their faithlessness, they said, let us send men before us. Now, this morning I explained the difference between struggling in your faith and rebellion. Say amen if you've ever struggled in your faith. There's nothing wrong 
with struggling in your faith. But here's the problem. The struggle you have trying to constantly believe in God can turn into rebellion when you begin to make other ways for yourself or other ways to get what God is going to give you. At that point, that is not a struggle in your faith. At that point, you're rebelling against God. I know, well, you know, I'm waiting for this job, and this and that and the other, and I'm interviewing, and I'm doing this. Young man, you know, 17 years old, I need to make some money. I don't, I, my parents keep doing for me, but I want to do for myself. And I've applied, I've applied everywhere, and, and, and I'm praying about it, and I'm struggling, and I'm waiting, and I'm struggling, and, and I don't have it. I'm tired of borrowing money, this and that and the other. He's struggling in his faith. That same young man, I'm struggling, I'm waiting for a job disappears and starts selling drugs on the street. That is not struggle. That's rebellion. It's not staying with God and being uncomfortable. That's struggle. To stay with God and you're uncomfortable because what I'm going through in my life is not comfortable and I'm having a hard time seeing what God is going to do if he's going to do anything. That is struggle. But when you decide in your impatience that I'm going to create my own way, that at that point, you stop following God. And the moment you stop following God, he ceases to go before you. So you end up in places where he has not been first. So you end up in places where you have no providence. And God then has to rescue you from a place you had no business being because you stopped following him. And the deal was, I will go before you. We rebel when we decide to go before God. I know, I know, I know. Uh, it, it may make sense, but I, I need to tell you, I need to tell you, everybody's been there. Everybody's been there. Look at what it says they did. They sent men. I'm almost done. They sent men. Let us send men before us that they may search out the land for us and bring us back Bring back to us word of the way by which we should go up and the cities which we shall enter. That's a problem. Because rebellion is when you try to find a way out of having faith. Some of us can't handle faith. What causes us not to handle faith? Fear? Control. Some of us are control freaks. You might as well say amen. It's the truth anyway. We're control freaks. We need to know where, when, what. We need to know, okay, even for a restaurant. Some of, some of, some of us can't even be surprised. Put this over your eyes. I'm going to take you somewhere special. Yeah, you, let it, you put it over your eyes, but then you want you want every question answered on the way to the point where by the time you get there, you don't really need a blindfold because you figured out where you were going anyway. Well, where is it? What kind of food is it? 
What category of food is it? Is it Asian? Is it even a restaurant? And we do the same thing with God. But God will deprive us of some facts to strengthen our faith. Oh, somebody needs to, you need to, you need to etch that in your heart. When he starts depriving you of facts, he's strengthening your faith. Because man doesn't walk by facts. We're supposed to walk by what? Faith. Okay, so let's see what happens. Here, here it is. He says God is going before you in verse number 30, as he did with you in Egypt before your eyes. Then he says, and in the wilderness where you saw. Now, here's the problem. Here's the issue now. Here, here, here's the beauty of it. God let them see. Everybody say, God let them see. Thank you. Okay? God let them see with their eyes. Okay? What does that mean? That means God met them where they were, did not deprive them of the what, allowed them to see his power. Are you understanding this? Okay, what would that translate to today? God let you see your big mama get sick almost to death and then come out of that sickness and she's still here today. He let you see that. You didn't have to believe it. He let you see it. In other words, God says, he, he, God is in essence is saying, I know how frail and how difficult it is. So there are some things I'm going to let you see. I'm going to let you see my power. I'm going to let you see me send the plagues. I'm going to let you see me crush Egypt. I'm going to let you see me send locusts and flies and darkness and boils and turn the Nile River into blood. I'm going to let you see this with your eyes. I, 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 look, pay attention. I'm going to let you see me open the Red Sea. I want you to look. As a matter of fact, stand still and see. I'm going to let you see. I'm going to let you see bills get paid without money in your pocket. I'm going to let you see you get healed with a doctor that, that, that told you bad news. But I'm going to let you see that my news is better than the doctor's. I'm going to let you see yourself gain weight without a job. I'm going to let you see. I'm, I, pay attention. I'm going to let you see. The reason why I'm going to let you see, because maybe it'll strengthen your faith in me since you don't have a strong faith. But let's look at what happened when God let them see. I'm going to let you see. I'm going to let you see me give you a job that 10 other people qualify for before you. I'm going to let you see Mountain View. You get on television for two years and be on billboards and be in the movie theaters, even though your budget says, uh-uh, but I'm saying, uh-huh. I'm going to let you see it. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm not going to send a messenger. I'm going to let you see this, daughter. I'm going to let you see this, son, with your own eyes. But watch this. You, you with me? They see it. See it. See it. Wait, 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 wait. Not heard about it. Not heard about it. I'm going to let you see it with your own eyes. What happens? He says, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you just as a man carries his son in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. He says, I let you see it. Look at the next verse. 
I let you see it. I let you see it. I went before you. But in all of this, you did not trust the Lord your God. Wait a minute. I just let you see it. Wait a minute. You saw the Red Sea open. I told you to stand still and see it. You saw the plagues. You saw, you saw the Nile River turn into blood. You saw, you saw me protect your little town where y'all was staying and let every Egyptian get boils. You saw me rain down fire everywhere but in Goshen, which is where you lived. You saw it. You saw me turn your son or your daughter around. You saw it. You know they were at a bad place. You know you gave up almost on them and you prayed and cried and prayed and cried and I let you see me turn it around. I let you see me take the little bit you have and do bigger things with it more than you can ever imagine. I let you see like you. I, I let you see me let you look like a, a millionaire even though you were struggling with sense. You saw that. You saw me do that. You, you did. Wait, I, I didn't send a messenger to tell you. I actually did this for you so that you can see it with your eyes. But in all of this, you still didn't trust me. It did not matter what I did. You still did not trust me. You repeat what you saw. You talk about what you saw and have the audacity to still treat me like I can't do it. You have the audacity to run to everybody but me when the next trouble comes. You saw me open the Red Sea. A sea. You saw me cause the wind to blow. And if that's not enough, there was nothing on your feet to prove that you had just walked through a sea. You saw that. Well, how come you giving up on me at the Jordan River? You saw me go before you. When you got there to the wilderness without making reservations, there was food on your table. But in all of this, you did not trust the Lord. How dare you testify in one moment and question the next moment? How dare you sing about you don't know what the Lord has done for me and wonder what he's going to do for you? In the next moment, he says, you didn't trust the Lord your God. Verse 33, there it is again. Who goes where? Before you. 
Turn to somebody say, and say, he goes before you. Tell him when you get there, he's been there. When you get to sickness, he's been there. When you get to being broke, he knows he's been there. And if he's been there and you're still going through it, that means he saw it. And he took what he saw ahead of you and he looked at you and decided you can handle it. There's nothing you're going through right now and you're right now that God has not seen before you've seen it. Now, the only time we get to where God has not been here is when we stop following God. Because he says, I will go ahead of you. Damani, I want you to go ahead of me. You can take a little man in the tuxedo looking all nice. Look at him. Okay, sit down then. So here God is. He's going ahead. There's an obstacle there. Either God will move around it and say, keep following me, or he will move the entire obstacle. Why? Because I'm the God that goes ahead of you. You thought your world was over when you had the baby and you were pregnant and people were talking. That's why you don't need to worry about what people say. God is before me in my mistakes, in my victories, in my failure. You can tell my story if you think you can. But since God is before me, he's the only one that can tell it like it will be. So he goes ahead of us. Keep going ahead. And then when we see moments that don't feel comfortable, we decide, keep going, girl. We decide, I don't know. So we decide to do this. God says, I will provide for you. I will trample on your enemies. Follow me and I'm ahead of you. So now you got haters over here. But the problem is, God says, I will go before you. If you follow the cloud and you follow the fire, we get here and wonder what in the world is going on. We pray and we pray and we pray. And we have to deal with this mess and we feel forsaken. But I'm going to tell you how gracious God is. Even when we stop following him and we turn off and do our own thing, when God has not been here, God will come to us and say, yeah, you messed up, but you're my child and I will not let life or circumstances or predicaments leave you stranded. I'll come get you and when I come get you, start following me because I am the Lord that goes. Give God some glory in this house. So what happens, what happens in the New Testament, God still does it. And here's the problem. Here, here's an issue. Watch this. God saw everything the children of Israel, I mean, Pharaoh saw everything the children of Israel saw. Do you know the children of Israel were not the only ones that saw the Nile River turn into blood? What happens is when you are constantly, pay attention, this is a point, this is going to bless your life. 
when you are constantly dismissive of what God is doing as he goes ahead of you, what was designed to make you love him more will now cause you to be hardened against him. That's why Pharaoh can see what they saw. They fell more in love with God, though rebellious and faltering and falling, and Pharaoh turned harder against God. Why? When they both saw the same thing. Because it's not just in how in the fact that you see it, but does it make a difference in your life? Pharaoh didn't care about that. Every time Pharaoh saw a miracle, he said, okay, I'll let him go. Then he turned around and said, nah, y'all can't go nowhere. I mean, you should have seen him. I mean, he had a red rag hanging out his back pocket, Dickies and, and Converse. <laughs> no. Why? Because though he was seeing it, he wasn't following. It's possible to see it but not follow. It's possible to know this was God, but I'm not going to follow. So the question is, where you are in your life right now, has God been there? Whatever, whatever's going on in your life, has God been there? As a church, has God been there? Have we been praying and following and praying? and Has God been there first? Because if God has been there already, there's no weapon formed against me in this moment that can prosper because God went before me. Give God some glory. Here's the redemptive piece, and the redemptive piece is if you're here, you need to be saved. If you're not saved, you don't get credit. You don't get glory credit for coming to church. That's not how to. God says, uh, I don't want you to watch me. I want, I, I want you to let me watch you. I, I don't want you to just visit me. I, I want you to belong to me, right? So this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna, God says, in the fullness of time, see, I, I'm going to go before you. What do you mean I'm going to go before you? See, whatever you need to do. I'm going to go before you and make a way. So since Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father knew that there was a big giant that we, had, we all have to fight called death, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says something very interesting, that Jesus goes before us and he tastes death for us. So no child of God who gets to the point where he's leaving and being called from labor to reward or your grandma, if she walked with God or your big mama or your granddaddy or your cousin, whoever it was that walked with God, that belonged to God, that had been redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb, that gave themselves to Christ and obedient faith through repentance and baptism. None of them are going somewhere where Jesus did not go before them. That means Jesus died on that cross one day. He says, okay, God the Son says, I'm going to go before you because one of these days you're going to die. So I'm going to go down there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go down to death and I'm going to take his keys away so that when you get to this place, you won't be locked there. 
you won't be locked there. That's why the person who is in Christ, the person who's a child of God, one of these days, might we're going to be in the tomb one day, but praise God, when Jesus comes and the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ, guess what we're going to do? You can't hold us. You couldn't hold him and you can't hold us. We're going to rise first to meet him in the air. And why death? That's so morbid. That's so scary. Because death is the biggest demon down here. Death is the biggest problem down here. Everybody's living to prevent themselves from dying. What Jesus is saying, let, don't worry about it. If it's your time to leave here, you don't have to go into a depression. You don't have to go into anxiety. You don't have to go and lose your mind. Because guess what? I went there and I tasted it. I didn't just taste it, but I trampled on it. I didn't just trample on it, but I beat it down. Not only did I beat it down, I said, give me them keys. Because when my brothers and sisters get to this point, I need them to know that I went before them. And if you're not a child of God today, Maybe you're a church attender, but you're not a Christian. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to come to Christ. First of all, you need to come to Christ. You're not coming to us. You need to come to Jesus. You need to come to, let, let me tell you something. Going to church is fine, but Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me. He didn't say go to church. He says, come unto me. Now, we come to church because it's a great fellowship, but you need to come to him. Stop playing around with God. The devil ain't playing around with you. Look at the news, all of this stuff going on all over the world. People going into, into clubs and shooting up the clubs. And it's funny, when something is happening a distance away, we don't connect with it. We're almost dismissive of it. We give it a, oh, that's so sad. Y'all remember where Katrina started? It didn't start in Louisiana. It started as a monsoon in Asia. Weeks before. And we Americans, we land of the free, home of the brave, looked at that and said, that's sad. That is so sad. Oh, I feel for those people. And we went on with our lives. Then a few weeks later, it got closer. And that so sad turned into tears. Because when we are distant from it, we're disconnected from it. Don't you see that? That's human nature. That's human nature. Nobody cries because somebody in Alaska got hit by a car. If you have no family or no knowledge of anybody in Alaska, it's sad, but it doesn't affect you. So what God does every now and then, he says, I'm going to let this thing get closer. You look on TV, look at them crying and carrying on. Look at funerals. Oh, they don't have, they don't take all that. You know how people talk about how people get at funerals. Oh, it don't take all that. She's falling all out. It don't take all that, man. Look at everybody else calm. And then he says, I'm going to let it get closer. Next thing you know, oh, Jesus, whatever. Lord, have mercy. You get it now. Because when something is too far away, we don't connect with it. And the same it is with Jesus. When Jesus is too far away from you, you don't understand people's praise. You don't understand their, their shouting. You don't understand their tears. You don't understand those moments where they just say, you just don't know because you're disconnected. You feel for them. You're happy, pseudo happy for them. And you oh, that's very good. So every now and then, God will get closer. And now in the face of your tribulation, you get to see and meet the God who went before you. God bless you. If you need to come, 
Maybe you're here and you need prayer. Everybody stand. The lesson is yours. The mail has been delivered. If you need to stand, if you need to come, this is what you do. You come believing that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what you do. You come believing that Jesus is who he is. He did what he said he did for the reason why he said he did it. Now you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just a good person. That's not enough. It's the difference between a good person and a saved person. See, a good person depends on their goodness. A saved person depends on the goodness of Christ. It's dependency. So if you need to come, don't stand there hearing the voice of God and ignoring his voice. If you need to come to Jesus, you come right now. Maybe you're here and you need prayer. The Holy Spirit spoke to your heart. And you know the point where he did. You know when you, when, when, when you got that tick, when you got that uneasiness in your spirit, when your mind went there, when your mind went there. That's how the Holy Spirit works. I don't know you. I don't know your business. But God has a way of taking the puzzle pieces and making them fit where they belong. Even when you just see pieces, he brings pictured pieces. And you know where you are. And you know where you are with God. Maybe you stop following God because you trying to do it your way. God is so gracious that he'll let you. Somebody said this morning, I hit my head up against.